Welcome to the Catch the Fire Church podcast. We're so glad you're joining us, and we hope you're encouraged by this message. Thank you, Jacob. Good morning. We love you, Jacob. Don't we love Jacob? If you've, if you've spent any time with Jacob, what, a, what an awesome man of God as well. So he's a gift to our families. I can't wait for my kids to go to youth group to, to be under you. Whew. I'm excited for today. How, who, who's excited? Are you ready? Are you, you happy to be here? You're not here because you have to be. You're here because you want to be. Oh, Lord, we didn't come to church today out of obligation. Tell it to him. Lord, I didn't come to church today out of obligation. I came to meet with you. Jesus, our beautiful Savior. Jesus, the one that our hearts desire. Jesus, the one that we long for. Would you manifest your presence among us? Lord, as we close out this series all about you, would you help us to continue to see you rightly? Would you help us to see you with clear eyes? We know that your word says we see in only part, but Lord, I'm asking that we would have just another glimpse, another taste, another look at who you are. Like those elders and creatures before your throne that see new sides of your face and continually sing, holy, 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 worthy, worthy, worthy is the lamb. We look upon you today. You never grow old. We never grow tired of looking at you. God, I ask that you would reset our priorities, that you would be first among us. You would be the chief person in our lives, the one in charge. You're so beautiful. We love you. Ooh, I just want to stay here for a while. Lord, we love your presence. We love your presence. We are forever and eternally grateful for you. Would you fill us with gratitude today? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. So great privilege. As I mentioned, I'm closing out our sermon series on Jesus. But he is, by no means, is it over? He is every sermon, right? Christ is in every sermon, in every teaching, in every thing, all aspects. He is beautiful. And I love, I love this series on, on, on the manifest person of Jesus in his presence. Have you all enjoyed this? I love what Duncan was sharing last week on Jesus, our healer, and seeing so many hands raised of people that were saying, hey, listen, that's me. I, I received the healing in my body. Please, if you have a testimony, if your body, if you're walking in healing since that Sunday, come tell us because we love to celebrate what God is doing in our midst, because you know that the testimony stirs faith and says that God wants to do it again to another. Amen? And I love it. I love this kind of this charge to be like Christ, this charge to walk in the presence and power of Jesus, that we are not, we don't want to be like every other church, as you said last week, Duncan, so beautifully. We don't want to be like every other church. And that's not to put churches down. The point in saying that, because a lot of churches hopefully carry the power of God, but the point in saying that is we want the manifest power of the Holy Spirit in our midst. We want the person of Jesus to reveal himself, the evidence of Christ, the evidence of his presence. And that signs, wonders, miracles. 
the fruits of the Spirit, right? We even want such a touch of His presence. We're so transformed that it even changes the way we parent. It changes the way we love our children. And when we're starting to feel like we're not producing godly fruit with our kids, we say, maybe I need a moment in the presence of God. All right. So today, the title of my message, where we're going, is Jesus, our Redeemer. We're going to start by looking at the book of Leviticus, which if you don't know, is the third book of the Bible. It's the law. It's the center of the Torah. Right before Leviticus begins, the book of Exodus closes with the completion of the ten of meaning of the, the tabernacle of God. And the presence of God as it's completed, as they're gathering around to, to, to kind of consecrate and offer this up to the Lord, the presence of the Lord so comes and consumes the tent of meeting that even Moses is unable to enter it. Moses, a man who was trusted by the Lord, who was favored by the Lord, who went up on the mountain to meet with the Lord who the Lord gave him the Ten Commandments, who the Lord used greatly, even he wasn't able to enter this holy place because the glory of the Lord was so strong in their midst. And then in Leviticus, we don't have time to read all of it today, but if you're taking notes, just write in all caps, Leviticus, okay? I want to speak a moment on these sacrificial offerings that the Lord introduces and the purification process. Y'all ready for that? Come on, ask your neighbor. Are y'all ready? Are you ready? (laughs) And there's so much we could unpack, so many different avenues we could go here. But I believe just looking at these offerings for a minute will help us to better understand Jesus, what he did, our Redeemer. So Leviticus chapters 1 through 5, the Lord introduces these five sacred offerings. The first one in chapter 1 is the burnt offering. This is an offering that some also called the Ascension Offering. Its name is derived from the Hebrew word Olah. Say Olah with me, Olah. The Olah Offering, which simply means to go up. It is this holy offering, whereas in the other offerings we're going to be speaking about this morning, only part of the animal would be burnt up. This was an offering where the whole animal would be burnt up. It was an extravagant offering. It was an offering of like almost seemingly wastefulness to waste this entire animal, to burn it all up as an offering unto the Lord. It's this costly, this picture of total and costly surrender to God. And it makes me think when when you think of this offering, it's like in the New Testament, the woman with the costly jar of perfume. It's this sort of Ola offering where it's almost wasteful, where Judas sees as, he, as he, she, this woman pours out the perfume, the costly perfume on Jesus. He says, what a waste. This could have been sold and given to the poor. What a waste. And we know the wickedness in his heart that he, Judas would steal often, and he wanted some of that money, the proceeds for himself. But this is an offering like it's not a waste if you understand how holy he is if you understand how worthy he is. To me, personally speaking now, this is a beautiful picture of our consecrated lives of worship to the Lord. That our lives become this continual fragrant offering to the Lord. This is an offering that was uh, morning and night offered to the Lord. 
And it's, Lord, like, let our offering, let our lives, you don't just want part of us, you want all of us. You don't want just a little bit. You just don't want half of us in and half of us out. No, you said that you spit out the lukewarm things. You desire all of us. So, Lord, I will offer. I will, I will lay down my agendas. I will lay down my plans. I will lay down the things I have going on to be with you. So my life will be like sweet incense to your name. Are you with me? Beautiful, beautiful offering. Then in chapters 2 and 3, there's the grain offering or the gift offering and the fellowship offering or the peace offering. The gift offering was also known as the first fruits offering. And this was an offering of gratitude. Again, I love it. We can, we can take so much from this in our personal application, right? It was an offering of gratitude where a farmer with a harvest will look at his crops and he would take some of that first fruits and he would come to the temple and he would offer this as a sign of saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the harvest that we are about to partake of that will feed my family for the rest of this year. Thank you, Lord, for the way that you've provided me, for the way that we will feast upon the rewards of this, of our labor. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. It's this thankful heart, this offering of gratitude to the Lord. And the fellowship offering, much like the sin offering we'll speak of in a moment, was a, an offering where they would bring an animal before the Lord. They would place their hands on it, but rather than it atoning for the sins, they would slay the animal, and some of the animal would be kept for the priest, and the rest of the animal they would take and they would throw a party. It's almost this like this sense of communal peace and prosperity. And they would take the rest of this animal, they would throw a party for their friends and family, and they would also invite widows and orphans to come and partake of the feast. This beautiful picture. Finally, we have the last two. In chapters 4 and 5, Firstly, being the sin offering, or arguably translated, some would say the purification offering, was to purify someone from their sin and its effects in their life. And so a person guilty of sin or experiencing the effects of sin in their lives, they would bring to the temple a young bull, a lamb, goat, without blemish. They would place their hands upon the animal and the priest would slay it. And they would take some of the blood and they would place some of the blood on the horns at the altar. They'd pour the rest out at the base of the altar. And sometimes they'd take some of the blood and sprinkle it around. Then the fat of the animal would be burned up on the altar. And the body would either be burned outside the camp or in some cases kept for the priests and the Levites to eat. Are you still with me? We're going somewhere at this, okay? I think y'all know where we're headed. Jesus, right? <laughs> it's in the series. This was the atonement process for the forgiveness of sins. Can you imagine this? Can you picture this? To be forgiven for your sins. To come to the temple, to bring your offering, to slay the beast. All for you. Jesus. It seems strange to us now almost. (laughs) But to me, this speaks to the severity of sin and why Jesus had to come. 
Like this was, even in the Old Testament, even before Christ, the, the severity of sin is so great that there had to be a life exchange. There had to be something, another to take its place, to atone for your sin. And I just, I see a God that was working tirelessly to redeem a people to himself, even in the Old Covenant. Lastly, you have the guilt offering, which was an offering for someone who misused or abused another or something of value to God or another person. As you read on Leviticus, it goes on to speak of sort of the things, cleanliness, right? Y'all with me? When's the last time y'all read Leviticus? A couple months ago, all right. A couple weeks ago, all right. Shout out Jacob Scheller. And it goes on to speak of the sort of things that make you clean and unclean. Touching certain animals would make you unclean. Touching a dead carcass would make you unclean. Houses with certain kinds of mold would, were unclean. People with skin diseases like leprosy were considered unclean. And you yourself, if you touch somebody with a skin condition, would become unclean. A woman after childbirth was unclean for a period of time. A man would be unclean for an intimate bodily discharge. A woman on her period was unclean. Are y'all with me? Some of y'all are like, we got to get out of here. I don't know where he's going with this. <laughs> this isn't the Bible, okay? And if we're reading this, it's easy to get wary as you're going through Leviticus and you're reading, there's another thing that'll make you unclean and you have to become clean. There's another thing that will make you unclean and you have to undergo a purification process. And if we don't read it with eyes to the New Testament and to Jesus, sometimes we can get a little wary. But this is, it's all setting the stage for the arrival of Christ. And I love this. I, I wanted to shout out Jacob. I already have a couple times this morning, but I wanted to shout him out because uh, I loved how he explained this to our students at youth camp this year. He was explaining the purification process, and he basically said something to this effect. It was in August, so forgive me if I don't get it perfect. But it was like a plate, when it becomes unclean, is it sinful? Y'all can answer. No. No, that's ridiculous, right? The thought that a plate being unclean, now the plate is sinful, but is it dirty? Come on, it, come on, church. Is it dirty? Here we go. And what do you need to do in order to restore it to its rightful place, to put it back on that shelf? What do you need to do? Y'all either got a dishwasher or you're old school and you love to hand wash. Do some people like prefer hand washing over dishwashing? Listen, that is way too many hands. Y'all, God gave a person the invention of a dishwasher and it is wrong to the... No, I'm just kidding. I'm going to take this too far. <laughs> it's called your kids. Yeah, you like making them wash it by hand. That's fair. That's fair. Right? It's not that everything here, when you read through Leviticus, it's not everything is saying you are, it's now sinful, but it's to say that this thing that once was clean has become unclean and now must be restored. There's a purification process, 
And it varied depending on the condition, depending on the thing that made you unclean. But there was a purification process that they had to go through. They had to endure to become clean once again. Listen, when we read this, we need to understand that God was doing something unheard of. The God, the creator of the universe, the one who is holiness embodied, was drawing and choosing a people unto himself and saying, draw near to be, be my people, be my chosen people in all of his greatness in all of his power, his majesty, his beauty. And in order to do that, he needed to consecrate them. He needed to cleanse them. Leviticus 10.10, the Lord is speaking to Moses and Aaron and his remaining sons, and he's telling them to abstain from drinking so that they are able to distinguish between the holy and the common. Say the holy and the common. Between the unclean and the clean. In, in Leviticus 19.2, the Lord says this to Moses. He says, speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Make no mistake, the goal of the gospel has not changed to make you holy. To be consecrated unto holiness. To draw a people to himself. Leviticus 27. Consecrate yourselves therefore and be holy for I am the Lord your God. That which is holy cannot dwell with... That which is unholy cannot be allowed to dwell with that which is holy. There's a separation. It's almost as if the effects of our sin is like pollution. (laughs) That, that pollutes the holy place. And so there had to be this purification process. There had to be this atonement process. And we read on the story, we read on in the scriptures, and we see a people who, despite their sacrifices, it wasn't enough, right? Despite their offerings, it wasn't enough. The very thing that God gave them Because the prophet Isaiah in chapter 1 says this, he says, The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough burnt offerings of rams and and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and the lambs of goats. You're all like, wait a second. Because they were allowing sin and they were allowing wickedness in their lives still and in their midst and in their cities still. But then Isaiah says in verse 16, he says, wash and make yourself clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do what do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. This is like one of our like life verses for our outreach teams is defend the oppressed. Take up the case of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. This is this picture of righteousness. Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are as red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Their sacrifices weren't enough. They couldn't fulfill the law. They couldn't stop from participating in evil. 
the very thing that the Lord gave them as a way to atone for them, their sins, the Lord was like, you're still allowing the wickedness in your midst. And this is where it gets good because all of this was leading to Jesus. All of this was pointing to our desperate need for a savior. All of this was pointing to a man who would bear the sins of many, who would be the sacrificial lamb for you and I led to the slaughter, who would be the final burnt offering. And the incense of his life would never stop rising and his blood would never lack permanence. He would take away our pain and our sin and put it on his back, giving his whole sinless life for our iniquities, our sins, and our shortcomings. It was all pointing to Christ, who would become the ultimate sacrifice for you and I, who would give up his very life to redeem humanity to himself, that where the law was falling short, that where they could not keep keep the commands of the Lord, where, they, where their offerings weren't enough because the Lord saw the duplicity of their hearts, God was providing a way to make us right for all of humanity, for all of time. And he was, he was, he was working, he was cooking up this plan to send his son to come as a man and to offer up his life for you and I. Do you see this? to be that sacrificial lamb, to be that atonement for us, to be that purification for us. We needed Jesus. It's all been pointing to him. The cross has changed everything for us. This is why I love this series, because you could never preach about Christ enough. If we preached about Christ, if we preached a gospel message every Sunday, it wouldn't be enough for how worthy he is for his story to be told. It wouldn't be enough. Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Come on, say that with me. Christ has redeemed from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. This was the greatest redemption act the world has ever known. The Lord, the, the world will ever know. Ephesians 5.25 through 26, we read this in Jesus the Bridegroom, and I was thinking of this passage again. And I was thinking how Paul's telling that the husbands love your wives as Christ has loved the church. And then he goes on, and again, he explains what that looks like. And he says, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word. Y'all see that little dishwasher right there? Not to like minimize God, it's just just to help us draw a connection, okay? And to present her to himself as a radiant church, come on, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. It's all pointing to Jesus. You see, the blood of the animals in the Levitical sacrifices, the blood was considered the life. It was the very essence of the animal's life was in the blood. And it needed to be poured out for the atonement. The animal's life, the blood, the life of the animal for, for the forgiveness of our sins. And we need to understand this like very clearly because the Jewish people would have understood this when Jesus was teaching. 
and the disciples were teaching. You and I, that which was unclean, that which has, was full of sin, that which was broken, we have been washed by the blood of the Lamb. We have been forever washed by the blood of the Lamb. And this lamb is not somebody that's once and done, that died, but he raised to life and he is now eternal and his blood has washed and will continue to wash and wash and wash his people. It is his blood that purifies us. It is his blood that atones. Jesus said in John 14, 16, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's the only way. If we say yes to Jesus, we receive the full payment of Jesus as our atonement, our sacrificial lamb, our redeemer. First Peter 1, 18 through 19 says, You were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Are you getting this? I know you've heard it, but like celebrate it for a moment. When's the last time you feasted on this truth that he is your sacrificial lamb, that his blood was poured out for you, that his, his body was flayed for you, that he did lay himself on the altar and the smoke, the fragrant offering of his body, of his life is like incense to the Lord day and night continually for you and I. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He is your redeemer. Y'all remember that Nicole C. Mullen song? <laughs> My redeemer lives? No? Anyone? Okay. And here's the really good news. He didn't stop there. He didn't just redeem you unto salvation, but he redeemed you unto being like him. It wasn't enough for him to simply take you from reverse and to put you into neutral. Are you with me? It wasn't enough for him to simply kind of level the playing field to almost put you at net zero and say, there, you're good, you're covered. This wasn't just some sort of eternal fire insurance, but this was Christ propelling you, putting you in drive, filling you up with fuel, putting his life as your engine inside of you and saying, now go forth, be sent and be my disciples. He didn't just redeem you for you. He redeemed you for the world. And he is the light of the world. He is a city on a hill. He is the hope of salvation and congratulation. That makes you the light of the world. That makes you the hope of salvation. That makes you a city on a hill because Christ is in you. Oh, Jesus. So now in this Levitical law where, the, where you would touch an unclean thing and you would become unclean yourself, if we look at the same story that Duncan referenced last week, if we look at Matthew 8, when Jesus comes, let's just read it. Verse 1 says, when Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. And a man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing Look at the desperation. He kneels before the Lord and says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand, and what did he do? 
He touched the man. He didn't have to do that. He healed others without touching them. But he chose, he reached out and he touched this man. And this man is instantly healed. And now in this new covenant, when we reach our hands out, which are the hands of Christ, and the the clean, the righteous in Christ touches the unclean, the unclean becomes clean. No longer is this the old covenant where you reach out in that dirty thing and all of a sudden you are somehow defiled and unclean yourself. But now you reach out your hands, you touch that which is unclean, and you say, come, be with the one who is clean, who has cleansed us forever. Are y'all with me? This is such good news. Oh, Jesus. Luke 8, 43, there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. 12 years, everybody. And though she had spent all her living, everything on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him, behind Jesus, and she touched the fringe of his garment. I just love that detail, the fringe. Just the fringe. And immediately her discharge of 12 years of blood ceased. He is the purification process of the body. When you reach out and touch Christ, you become clean. When you reach out and you take hold of Christ, he'll purify you again. He'll, he'll atone. He'll, he'll, he'll forgive you again. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> when we reach out, even now as believers, this isn't just for Jesus. The disciples walked in his ways, healing the sick, raising the dead. Peter's shadow was like healed somebody. Come on, do y'all believe this? Like that this is for today, this is for you and I. And sometimes I pray this prayer when I read these scriptures, when I think of the Great Commission, I like to pray a prayer I'll offer to you that says, God, I don't always understand what that looks like in my life, but give me faith to see it. Call me unto it. Lord, would you make me like a little child? Because somehow I find the more that I know, the less that I actually know. The more that I read, the more that I understand your word, it seems like the less that I know. And I want to be like Paul, and I want to say that I choose to know nothing but you, Christ, crucified, and your power. Like the smarter we get, the harder we have to work to be like little children and have faith that he is still living and active and moving in our midst. Greater works than I do will you do if you believe in me. John 14, 12. And it's in these great works that we get to be like him. That we get to redeem humanity. We get to redeem culture. When we place our hands on the sick, sick and we say be healed. When we release hope into, into hopeless situations. We get to be like him. We need to, as a body, believe that our old man was left in the baptismal. 
that he was drowned. And that when you came up out of those waters, you were a new, what? Creation. As Romans 13 says, you are clothed in Christ. We are clothed in Christ, his very life. Many years ago, I was, well, in 2009 or 10, it would have been, I was in my second year at the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, and I was, I was laying down, and I was just being with the Lord. And I was just, I had some worship music on. It was just me in the house, and I was just communing with him. And all of a sudden, the Lord took me into a vision. And I was, I was somewhere, not really quite sure where, and I just saw the Lord standing away from me. Look, but kind of straight on, and he was just looking at me. And of course, if somebody would say, I too, like he had beautiful eyes, and he was just looking at me with this intense but intensely loving eyes. And all of a sudden, the Lord began to ran, run towards me, and he, and he ran full force as fast as he could. And I remember thinking in the vision, stop, you're going to run over me going to run me over. And all of a sudden, the Lord like dove into me. He dove inside of me. And I felt in the vision, the Lord put me on like a glove. And he put his hands into my hands and his arms into my arms and his legs into my legs. And all of a sudden, I felt that Jesus was moving his body. But what I saw in the vision was my body moving. And so I, I, knew in my, my, I knew in this vision that the Lord was moving his hand, but I saw my hand moving. And all of a sudden, the vision switched, and I knew that now I was on the inside of Christ. And as I began to stretch, it was bizarre, I began to stretch my arm, I saw the hand of Jesus moving. And I was like, kind of like looking at it. And it's this vision that marked me for this. For the rest of my life, I, I think when I think of wearing Christ, when I think of the fact that Christ lives in us, that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world, when I think that the same power that rose Christ Jesus from the dead lives in us, I picture this. I picture wearing the, the flesh of Christ, and when I extend my hand to the sick, and when I place my hands onto dead things and they come to life, I am laying the hands of Christ upon those dead things. And this is in the Bible. Yes, this vision is extra biblical, but it's all pointing to the word of God. It's all pointing to this being clothed in Christ. It's all pointing to his power in you. You with me? Greater is he who is in you. So many of us live afraid and we actually think greater is he who is in the world. No, it's greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Oh, Jesus. Now, no longer do we have to go to a temple and offer up sacrifices, but you are the temple. And his presence dwells in you. This is all the reason I'm going this angle today because Christ has not just redeemed us simply for salvation, but he has redeemed us for this godly living. His redemption didn't stop there. Are you with me? There's like so much more. Tell somebody next to you, you are not just you. Tell them you are filled with Jesus. Tell them you're filled with his presence. 
he didn't just give you a part of himself. He gave you all of himself. He is that Ola offering his whole life burnt on the altar. He is the sin offering, the atonement for our sins. He is, oh, he's everything. So when you see a hopeless situation, when you see a person who needs healing or deliverance or prayer, when you see a marriage that looks too far gone, when you see a breakthrough needed for finances or in your workplace, I want to tell you today that you are perfectly positioned to be like Christ, the great Redeemer. You are perfectly positioned to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Congratulations. You were looking for an answer. It was you all along. Christ in you. There was this clip I saw going around of this guy named Terry Parkman, this preacher. And he was speaking on biblical Christians, biblical Christians that take culture and they filter it through the word of God. And what comes out at the bottom is, is, is redeemed culture. But then you have cultural Christians that take culture and they filter it through the Bible. And then they dismiss whatever they don't like that doesn't fit the needs of the culture. We are called to stand upon the truth. <laughs> we are called to stand upon truth. We weren't, you weren't born to fit in. You can't. We, we are the, the dismay of the world. <laughs> you're already canceled, so you don't have to worry about it anymore because you're a Christian. Like, you've already been canceled. I'm just saying. It took me a little to get here, but I believe this. We are meant to stand out. We are meant to be the light of the world. A city on a hill. Not in judgment, but in, in love, right? And hey, do you know what Jesus has done for you? Do you know what he's redeemed you from? What he saved you to? And this is a learning process. We're getting better day by day. He's perfecting that which is made holy, his word says. But we cannot afford to re reduce God to our own experience. As Duncan was encouraging us last week, if somebody, you pray for somebody and you don't see a breakthrough in that moment, don't, don't be weird. Don't make it their fault. Just say, hey, I'm still learning. But resolve to know and believe in your heart that the lack is never on the side of God. That he is willing, that he is healing, that he is speaking, and that he is moving. Choose right now to believe that. Choose right now to believe that even if unto death you don't see that miracle, that he already gave everything when he gave salvation. And everything outside of salvation is simply the cherry on top. Like that is the hope of the believer. That is the faith of the believer. Oh. And I want to tell you today, if, if this sounds like a lot to you, this is the pastor in me now, okay? this sounds a lot to you, you're in a season of winter. He is still working on your behalf, even when you don't see it. If you're like, pastor, that thought of like praying for the sick right now seems impossible. I'm just like, you don't know what's going on in my life. I'm telling you that he is still working in your midst when you don't see it. The word of God says that he works all things for the good of those who love him. He doesn't stop. Like, he is continually redeeming the things of our life, even now, unto good. 
and the things that seem hopeless and the things that we, we, for whatever reason, don't see a breakthrough in, he is still taking those things and he was like, I will redeem all things for your good because of my love for you. Like, how good is he? How good is he? He's already won. He's already redeemed you and I. Would you stand with me? As we close this, this series on Jesus, I'd love us just to take a moment and just kind of bear our hearts before the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me for any way that I have limited you and your expression through me. And if you're here and you want to pray that prayer, I want to invite you to pray that bold prayer to the Lord. And just say it. Say, Lord, forgive me for any way that I have limited you by my narrow understanding. I have reduced you to something so much smaller than you actually are. Would you forgive me, Lord? Jesus, our great Redeemer. Oh, Jesus, thank you for your atonement for our sins. Thank you that you put your life inside of us, that you sent your presence to live in us, that we are your temple. Lord, I'm asking that you would take blinders off today. I'm asking that you would soften hard hearts today. Lord, that we would see you in all your beauty, all your majesty. That we would understand the greatness of your ultimate sacrifice. That we would understand the complete and total cleansing and purification that your blood meant for us and means for us. Lord, I ask that you would help us to not think of ourselves small, but to think of ourselves filled with you, that we are little Christs with a lowercase c, walking around this earth, and we carry your nature. Jesus, help us to be like you. Let our faith so extend the four walls Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Just take a moment and offer him that offering of gratitude, that gift offering for a moment, and just thank him for all that he's redeemed you from. Thank you so much for joining us. There are so many opportunities to grow, connect, and be encouraged. To learn more, visit ctfraleigh.com and follow us on social media. Thank you so much for being part of the family. We are so thankful for you.